This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I am told that despite any technical difficulties and our leftover Halloween ghosts or goblins, Scott Miller is ready to talk to me here on CBS Sports Radio. How are you, Scott? Jody, I'm here. I don't know what happened there. I heard your introduction, then all of a sudden the call dropped, and uh, it was into the netherworld. So yes. happy to be with you, and I'm happy to be home. And it was a game six and seven saved the world. It uh, saved it is a good way to describe it. Um, all right, let's go there. Uh, if you want, if you can do it in one word, do it. If not, take a sentence. How would you describe the 2019 World Series? Um, I would say uh, unexpected would be a word. Uh, I would say unexpectedly great in the last two games. And that's how I would describe it. I would say unexpected because, you know, the road team winning all seven games. Are you kidding me? Yep. Um, I would say unexpected uh, because the first five games, I think there was one total lead change, and that was it. And that's where I get to in the beginning. It was ho-hum for the longest time. Um, I would say game six and seven unexpectedly great because after what I just said, one lead change in five games, not to mention games three, four, and five in Washington. Oh, my gosh. The, the, the Nationals won for 21 with runners in scoring position. They scored one run each game, a total of three runs. By that time, when we went back to Houston, it was like, oh, man, this has been a disappointing World Series so far. Then it got unexpectedly great the last two games because, you know, game six, the, the Nationals surprised the Astros and, we have the big blow-up, the call on Trey Turner at first base, and Davey Martinez goes ballistic, becomes the first manager to get ejected from a World Series game since Bobby Cox in Game 6 in 1996. And then that immediately, I think, got everybody, even nationally watching on TV, everybody took made him took a second, take a second look, like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, just when I thought this was boring, what's going on here? And then from that point on, I mean, it just uh, – went turbo game seven Zach Granke was great and it looked like he was uh just on cruise control and then in a span of six or seven pitches everything turned and uh, there's a lot of drama finally belated drama but drama in game six and seven all right since you broke six and seven out let's go there first game six the much debated ballyhooed argued over uh potentially rule changing call my opinion miss call at first base i don't care about technically it was the correct call it couldn't be reviewed because it was a judgment call first of all how did you see it and b do you agree with me that it may because we just saw it in football they had the big penalty miss in the championship game last year in the nfl changed its rules into the leading leading off the next season that you could actually review pass interference calls will major league baseball react to this situation and change their rules because of what transpired at first base that night you know a couple thoughts here one i agree with you it it shouldn't have been called 
two. I hope they don't change the rules because every we. I think I worry about over legislation in the game, and 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 I'll give you the two instances that still chat me. Uh, you know the Buster Posey rule, right? Now, I understand you want to keep guys healthy and keep your stars on the field, but taking the play away at home plate, there are still players. There are plays at the plate now where, like, it's a bang bang play. The runner hits the catcher, and the players don't even know what what how the, it should be ruled. It's just added confusion. Same with the if you want to call it the Chase Utley rule, second base. Um, the rule used to be fine. If you could slide, you know, you could take out the second baseman on a double play. As long as if you could reach out and touch the base with your arm and arms length away, the slide was legal. If not, you should be called out. I thought the umpires abdicated their responsibility there. So all of a sudden now we've got all these safety rules. Oh, you can't, God forbid, you can't uh, take out the runner at second base on a double play. I think those two rules, especially the rule of second base, have made the game worse. So because of that, I get really leery on or when we start talking every time there's a controversy, well, let's install some rules or change some rules. Bottom line on this play, Jody, to me, see if you agree, we're on the same page. I agree with you. It shouldn't have been called. Um, I understand the rule. If, if Trey Turner would have been running on the grass, at that point, sure, make the call. I understand. I think what happened is the umpires did not comply with the spirit of the rule. You hardly ever see that rule enforced. And I, I think the rule is fine as it is. You have to run within the the box. But I also think uh, if you're running an inch outside the box, the, the discretion should be used by the umpire. When you have AJ Hinch the next day the opposing manager, Houston's manager, you know, talking publicly saying, I agree. He basically was on Trey Turner's side. Then I think maybe the umpires overstepped their bounds a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if we'll end up in a rule change, but what transpired there was ridiculously bad in my opinion. The good thing is the Nationals went ahead and won the game anyway, so it didn't come into play in actually affecting the outcome of the game. It could have, but it did not. The only thing that maybe was more ridiculous to me in the whole World Series than that god-awful call was the fact that Garrett Cole did not get into the game in Game 7 of the World Series. We've had a lot of explanations, a lot of theories. A.J. Hinch has had his say. Garrett Cole... It may or may not have had his say afterwards. All we know is he wore a Boris client hat to his post-game interview. Uh, there is now conflicting reports as to what was agreed to before by, by the manager and the player before the game. Scott Miller, you've been around the game a long time. How does Garrett Cole not pitch in Game 7 of the World Series? If he's good enough to warm up, how does he not get into the game? Oh, did Scotty drop on us? Line's still there. I can still hear the connection. I don't know. All right. Uh, See if you can dial Scotty back up because that's the main question that I wanted answered. More than anything else, uh, yes, we didn't give the Nats credit. And I've given, I've got to bend over backwards to give the Nats credit uh, for their championship. I'm not 
waylaying or downplaying what they achieved. What they achieved, they are the true champions of baseball. To come back from where they came back at the beginning of the season, twelve games under five hundred at the fifty game mark, they were ten games behind the Phillies at that time, and ended up winning the World Series. More power to them. It's one of the more compelling storylines in baseball over the last decade. But the seventh game for me was marred by an awful managerial decision. We reestablished with Scott Miller. Did you hear my uh, remarkable setup? Why? I did. Then why didn't Garrett Cole get into the game? Yeah, it's a little bit reminiscent of the Zach Britton not getting in the game a few years back, right? Correct. With, with Buck Showalter. And, you know, you hate to go away without ever having this pitcher get in the game. Uh, you know, as you saw, A.J. Hinch's explanation after was, uh, you know, he had, Garrett, he had told Garrett, basically, uh, I'm going to use you to protect a lead in the late innings if we're leading. Um, you know, that's well-intentioned and all, but, yeah, he, he, you know, when he's up and warming up, uh, yeah, you could look at it and say, well, yeah, Garrett, he should have been, you know, you, you should use every bullet available, and, and I get that. And as A.J. Hinch said after the game, he's going to be thinking things over for a long time. I think there's there's no question about that. Um, you know, I'll tell you what, though, the one the other side of that coin, I thought Grinky had a little bit more left. Um, I know he walked. He gave up a homer, and then he walked Juan Soto. So you've got to walk a tightrope there. But he had only thrown 80 pitches. And, um, you know, boy, my goodness, uh, you know, if, 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 if as good as he was all game, uh, either he lost it, either you decide in a span of about five pitches, this guy's lost it completely, or you could go a little bit further with it. All right, so you're suggesting Greinke could have pitched more. I'm going to yeah. suggest Greinke could have pitched less because okay. if you have these preconditions, as ridiculous yep. as they may be, that Gary Cole is only going to start an inning and Gary Cole is only going to come in with a lead, well, when you send Greinke back out there for the sevens, you have to realize, you know, this could go by the wayside. I got to finish this inning. That means I'm not getting Cole into the, until the eighth inning, and we could either be tied or losing by that point. Damn, I better get Gary Cole in right now. <laughs> yep. That, that would have been I, preferable to me, too, if you're going to have, which I don't understand, I don't agree with, I don't get the fact that there are going to be these stipulations ahead of time, well, then Gary Cole should have started the seventh. I know Greinke had done nothing wrong up until that point, but you can't leave that last ball in your holster. Well, and and, and to your point, I, I think, you know, A.J. Hinch talked even pregame about reading the game, and I love that phrase, reading the game. I think if you're a head coach in football, if you're a baseball manager, that's probably the number one, uh, thing that you are charged with to properly read the game. Now, I say that because to your point, Jody, I think in this day and age where front offices get involved in game management and you've got uh, discussions all day with the front office, okay, if we get into scenario A, we're going to do this, scenario B, we're going to do this, scenario C, we're going to do this, and you've got specialized relievers like, oh, this is my seventh inning guy or that's my eighth inning guy. What I think gets can be awfully dangerous, and I think this is what hit the Astros, is you can you it's awfully dangerous to draw up blueprints before 
the game even starts because you just don't know for sure what's going to happen. And, you know, you can have 18 different contingency plans, but it still comes back to reading the game and, and, and you've got to make decisions on the fly. And sometimes they involve numbers. Sometimes they involve junking the numbers and saying, you know what, Zach Granke's here and you know he has a bad look in his eyes or he's lost a mile on his fastball or, or this is you know or the conversely the opposite we talked about pulling Granky after 6 or 7 or whatever it is but you know what i've never seen this look in his eye before this guy is going to do it and you've got to be able to read the game one way or another I think managers today get too caught up in the blueprints. Scott Miller uh, from Bleacher Report, good enough to hang with us for a couple of minutes. All right, again, uh, kudos to the Nats. True champions, all the congratulations to them. But we need to turn the page because, yeah, there are 29 other teams, Houston being one of them, uh, and the 28 teams that didn't make it to the World Series. But we'll go with the Nats first. They win, they had a parade, they had a good time. I couldn't be happier for them. They've got two massive free agents, Mr. Rendon over there at third, and uh, Mr. Strasburg is not official yet, but he's got the option to opt out. And at four years and 100, I surely believe he's going to get better than that. Uh, Are they keeping neither of their two free agents, one of the two, and if so, which one, or both of their free agents? They'd like to keep both. Uh, They really would. you know, as you know, it, it's impossible to guarantee anything one way or another. But my feeling is, and both, I should say, Rendon and Strasburg have have Scott Boris as their agent. So the Nationals are dealing with the same dude. Um, I think Strasburg opts out. They figure out a way to, kind of like Clayton Kershaw with the Dodgers a, a year or two ago, they, they basically agree to, Strasburg agrees to stay after they read jigger his contract uh you know add an extra year or two add a few more million dollars i think they do that strasburg stays they'd love to keep rendon i think that's more problematical i think the texas rangers are in prime position to make a strong strong effort to steal rendon away from the nationals he's a texas native the rangers are moving into their new ballpark next year they're close they they're ready to win they think they need to win a impact player like him. We saw what Adrian Beltre did at third base over all those years in Texas. Um, I, I, I'm saying, I'm not saying Rendon will not for sure return to the Nationals, but I am saying I think it's the the, the odds are low, and I think uh, look out for the Texas Rangers. I would tend to agree there. I was going to make the Beltre comparison. Uh, you beat me to it. Uh, uh, well, you know, great minds, right? There you so, go. Exactly right. Uh, with the way that he handled his business after Game 7, it's a foregone conclusion that Garrett Cole is looking to go elsewhere. I'm sure the Astros will at least engage with him. Chances are he's moving on. Where is he moving on to? Uh, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim or the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles or whatever they're calling themselves these days. That's I think they end up coughing up big money to get him. I, by the way, I like Garrett Cole a lot. He's engaging. He's smart. Obviously, he's a great pitcher. I was a little disappointed. I thought, you know, wearing the Scott Boris Corporation hat right after post game, it's like, you know, at least let the body cool a little bit yep. before you start making your statements. I didn't think that was a good look at all. 
Um, I was disappointed because, like I said, I think Garrett Cole is one one of the most likable, engaging guys in the game. Um, that said, the Angels, Artie Marino, we've seen in the past when Artie Marino decides he wants to win, we have seen what kind of money it, he will cough up and what he will do to win. We saw that with the Albert Pujols contract. We saw that when he went after Josh Hamilton, C.J. Wilson. Uh, by the way, when I mentioned C.J. Wilson, I'm not saying that Scott that uh, Artie Moreno always makes the right decisions, <laughs> <laughs> but I am saying when he wants to win, he open he goes hard, and I think that's what's going to happen with Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole went to UCLA. He's a Southern California guy. Um, I think a return home would interest him. The Astros themselves, when I talked to several in September, felt like he will end up on a West Coast team. The Angels hired Joe Madden. Uh, Artie Marino is tired of losing. They're desperate for for starting rotation help. Makes too much sense not for, for him not to open his wallet to Garrett Cole. All right, we've seen uh, six of the eight managerial openings already fi- uh, filled. So we'll put the Giants and the Pirates who haven't made their call to the side. Of the six that made changes, who improved themselves the most in the managerial position? Who might have actually made a mistake by letting their guy walk and you don't necessarily understand the fit or the need for a new manager? Mm, um, Let's see. I don't know if I – your last question, I don't know if any managerial change, if I looked at it and thought, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? Um, You know, certainly the Mets situation was expected. The Pirates situation was expected. Bruce Bochy was going to retire. The Padres situation was expected. Uh, who am I missing here? Kansas City, Ned Yost was retiring. Um, Phillies, Cubs. Phillies, Cubs. Yeah, I mean, the Cubs is the one that I think maybe that's the one to your last question where I would question the most. You know, I mean, it wasn't on Joe Madden that, that uh, uh, you know, that the Cubs went out and got you Darvish and he's disappointed more often than not the last two years. It wasn't Joe Madden that signed Tyler Chatwood and he, you know, in other words, the rotation wasn't nearly as good as it could have been, but for some bad free agent decisions, um, you know, but that said, I, I think the shelf life of managers today is so much shorter than it used to be just because you, you they all got to work with the front office so closely and you know how that goes. You know, if you've got to live with a front office all winter, let alone all summer, eventually, you know, you're going to grade on each other, and, and, and you're going to just need, as they say, a new voice. And, um, you know, the days where we saw Walter Alston manage 26 years or Tommy Lasorda or whoever, I, I don't think we're going to see any runs like that anymore. So, I mean, I think the Cubs could have kept Madden. Um, you know, but I, to your, your first question, because of, he went to the Angels, I think the Angels improved. I think Madden, you know, he'll, they'll, he'll help the Angels. Um, you know, we'll see what the Giants and Pirates uh, do. Uh, the, you know, it's interesting. The Mets, I think, needed an experienced manager. Uh, I think the world of Carlos Beltran, but it, the Mets and Padres, to me, are in similar boats, Jody. Both are coming off of first-time managers who had never done it before. So what do they do? Both the Mets and the Padres go back down to the same road. Okay, we just got rid of a guy, so now we're going to hire 
another first-time manager that's never done it before. So I think both with Beltron and with uh, uh, Jace Tingler in San Diego, because they've never done it before, the learning curve is, you know, it's going to be August or September before they really get a firm handle on what they're doing, and I think it's going to be another wasted year at both cities. Yeah, could be uh, growing pains in San Diego and New York, and I know at least in New York they don't handle growing pains well from the fan base standpoint. Uh, hey, great stuff. Always a pleasure, Scotty. Take a deep breath. No, you got uh, more managerial fire. Another couple of days before free agency actually kicks in. Winter meetings will be here before you know it. Uh, enjoy your downtime. Thanks for putting a bow on the season for us. My pleasure, Jody. And we'll talk soon, my friend. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.